everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I really hope that this finds you in a space of rest and of health. Um, And if it doesn't, I just want you to know that my heart is with you. Um, This week seems like it has been really hard for a lot of people. Um, We're continuing to hold Ryan and Andrea and their family in prayer. Um, We're continuing to hold our healthcare workers and frontline workers in our prayers. Um, this this space that we are in um, is no joke, and we are living into year three of this very difficult space. Um, and so just know that my heart is with you uh, wherever this may find you, and I hope that this will be a space of reflection and also just a bit of peace in light of everything going on. Um, And I'm going to start a little bit differently than I normally do um, because I want to invite a space of reflection. And two, uh, as the title of this podcast suggests, begin with the end in mind. Um, So if you have the ability to uh, grab a piece of paper um, or find a place to jot some thoughts down um, just for the first few minutes. Um, that would be great. And if not, just find somewhere to tuck it into your mind's eye um, and just to have that mostly for you. Uh, maybe it'll come up in conversation uh, on Sunday, but for the most part, I just invite you to start with considering this question. Um, With unlimited time and unlimited resources, what would you hope to do or to be? So I invite you to pause this audio, if you can, um, to take a couple minutes to explore this question and then come back to us. If you don't, if you're just going to keep rolling with it, awesome. Um, I invite you, or if you're coming back to us, great. And then to invite this uh, second question, what is truly the most valuable to you? Whether those are specific values, maybe specific people or specific things, but what are your values? And again, I invite you to pause this audio and to come back to it. As you look at these two pages, perhaps, or two ideas, do your values show up in that first question of what you would do or be? And if you can find them, and I invite you to circle them, star them, mark them up however you see fit. And I do this to kind of juxtapose what we hope for, and what is most important to us. Um, If they don't show up, I invite you, especially towards the end of this podcast, to consider what does it look like to bring those two things together. Now, I bring this to our mind, and I'll get into reading the text in a second, because I want to help us consider what refinement is. You know, I kind of came into preaching this week with a little bit 
of a sigh um, because honestly I feel a little bit too tired, a little bit too out of touch uh, to feel the big energy around Epiphany. And yet it is such a beautiful time. Um, I think Ryan said it best that Epiphany is this time in which we attempt to see what is being revealed in, through, and around us in the world. Um, he also posted just some beautiful writing about um, the Magi women who would have been around and how we consider their perspective too. And I think it is important to do this thing of beginning with the end in mind to also set the precedent of what our starting point actually is. Um, if you would like a lighter, perhaps, um, or just more inviting uh, podcast on Epiphany, you can go back to last year's podcast where I actually preached the same week um, about the miraculous epiphany of being beloved. But regardless, I'm going to set that as our starting point. That epiphany is rooted in love, not shame. Then and only then can we move to an idea of refinement. Epiphany is rooted in love, not shame. And epiphany and refinement are not so much about changing yourself to fit something, um, but to become um, more true to ourselves, to become more true um, in this idea of, of love, in this idea of resistance, in this idea of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, I think sometimes we are left with this push, this urgent ideal that we must become better, that we must become something specific, in refinement, I believe there's a great deal of space for us. Um, but then when we come across passages like these that have been used for fear um, or guilt and shame, uh, we have to be careful with knowing where our starting point is and also where we hope to end up. So let me go ahead and read this passage for us from Luke 3. 15 through 17 and jumps to 21 and 22. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. So, <laughs> um, for those of you who have come across this text before, I'd be very interesting, interested to hear what you have been taught about this or what you have held 
um, in your own perspective on this text. Um, and I also want to offer where my starting point is coming into the space, especially um, preaching. You all know quite a bit of my background and how I spend my time as a hospital chaplain, mostly in the ICUs, mostly in crisis intervention and end-of-life scenarios. And so I really like to spend a lot of time thinking and helping others embody um, what it means to encounter a good death. Um, and also, how do we deal and cope uh, with grief and with loss? And so just to introduce my understanding of life, maybe, or perhaps just of grief. Um, grief, for me, is not a disruptor of life. And yet I think a lot of the time, this is kind of how we perceive it, is that Grief enters into our life at a certain starting point and then is supposed to leave um, us once again. But it comes when big events happen, particularly death of loved ones. Um, for me, I think it is life in the same way that love is and that these are married in a lot of ways. Um, I also do think that pain has a place in our lives we do, as kind of a human race, spend a lot of time attempting to avoid it. Understandably so. And so I want to kind of set this idea as we get into it, that refinement is a way of valuing growing pains without glorifying pain or martyrdom, um, but giving it voice, um, allowing it to inform us in specific ways. I don't want to come across as someone is saying that we have to be in pain to get to this place. Um, I'm just inviting us to think about instead of running away from some of the hard things like this, uh, how do we see them as truly part of our life? Um, I think before the pandemic, most people would prefer to keep grief in this box that it comes and goes and um, leaves us for certain times of our life. But now we've been faced with three years of a continual grief. We don't have anywhere to run. Um, this pandemic has done everything to separate us from one another and do far more damage than just that. Um, but then in opposite, we have this person of Jesus. We have communities um, that have continued to hold us. And for me, Jesus is this embodiment of remaining. And I know I talked a lot about remaining during Advent. Um, and even as Jesus remains present with us, is this embodiment of God's presence with us, Jesus also experienced change. Um, even death is this dichotomy of absence and presence. That we have to invite both of these things, that there is absence of breath, there is presence of other chemical and physical processes, um, spiritual ones, however you may understand it. There are, there are all these aspects, I think, of our understanding and experience of grief and of loss. Um, this idea of both absence and presence at the same time. So, part of 
part of our life work at Mission Hills seems to be ridding ourselves of binaries, giving ourselves permission to feel and connect and not be perfect. You know, there has been such a drive to prove that this last year has counted for something. And I understand that. And I also think that we are very tired um, as a people. And that is okay. Um, And we still need moments to romanticize aspects of life. To point to the places we felt joy and beloved and everything as a form of resistance. And also, we don't have to do anything to be beloved. Um... So let's get back into the text. Before I go too far off uh, kilter here, um, we get this picture of Epiphany and Jesus' baptism. John comes onto the scene. Everyone's like, wait, are you the Messiah? And John basically straight up says he's not worthy of even untying his sandals, um, that there's someone greater. And at the same time, this person who's coming is going to clear his threshing floor, gather the wheat, um, and the chaff he's going to burn with unquenchable fire. Now, we've come across this phrase uh, a few times in the biblical text, and usually it doesn't have a pleasant end uh, for those who are uh, considered not agreeing or um, maintaining uh, what the teaching is meant to, to share. Um, and I hope that I can offer a slightly different idea on this. I know it is not necessarily the usual or accepted interpretation of this text, but I hope it will be helpful. Um, I do think that it is important to notice that refinement is not the opposite of remaining. Um, in fact, I think it's the same thing as when, um, you 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 have an argument with someone and you continue to talk i think really the worst possible scenario is one of apathy when people no longer care enough to stick around and have the conversation and try to work work things out um this idea of refinement um, i think is also echoed in our understanding of forgiveness, that it is this attempt to maintain. Um, It is a preservation of something, whether that is trust, of relationship, uh, forgiveness. The goal is not separation. Um, I think often this text in particular is meant to echo some other texts that focus on the separation between the worthy or the righteous and the unworthy or unrighteous. Um, but we don't really truly get that picture from what is written in the text. Um, I don't think that this image is meant to be exclusionary. I think, on the contrary, um, this metaphor speaks to how every grain of wheat has a husk. Um, And oftentimes, even now, farmers will use wind to separate these husks, um, which collectively is known as chaff, from the grain itself. The goal being to save every piece of grain, not to separate the good grain from the bad grain. And so this ends up being about preservation and refinement, not division. 
you know, I think one thing within progressive Christianity that we have to be careful of is not leaning too far into the idea of perfect love and happy, happy, joy, joy, um, because often we're just trying to run away from how much shame-based metaphor and teaching there is in kind of the evangelical church or other spaces that folks have come from and have ended up in progressive Christianity. Again, I know that's not everybody here, uh, but just speaking to some experiences. So we do have to still find space to understand that there are pieces of, yes, the systems and also ourselves that we seek to uh, make a difference in. And this is not to say that we are unworthy of love. Remember, our starting point is that epiphany and refinement begin in love, not in shame. Um, But there are spaces of apathy, of greed, of selfishness, right? Of of things that we see on a systemic level. Um, And sometimes, yes, in kind of an individual picture, that we are hoping for growth. We are hoping for change. Um, That is the power of accountability within a community. So I think as we look at this picture, my hope is that we understand it more about how do we refine um, rather than see this as a picture of Jesus like coming in with this unquenchable fire and burning all of the bad people and holding on to the good. I don't think that's what's happening here. When we look at the rest of Jesus's teachings and what he actually does um, throughout his ministry, I don't think this picture of separating people out and banishing them uh, really truly fits. Wind and fire of the spirit that we see, especially through Luke, especially through Acts, are not meant to be pictures of division or destroying. Um, But when we see this fire of the Holy Spirit, this is a motivation of challenge, of restoring, of empowerment. Um, We see the disciples empowered to go out to bring a ministry of inclusion that has gone beyond what had been set before. Um, So I think if we kind of take that big picture approach, we can understand this text a slightly different way. I also will always say that we have to be careful to move away from having to prove ourselves. I think we move towards pursuing connection. And our belovedness isn't what changes in this idea of refinement. It's our closeness to one another, to the divine, um, to our understanding of feeling seen, of feeling known, of feeling heard, um, of, of feeling love. So... There's also a couple verses that are missing in this text, which is interesting and maybe a little bit ironic. Uh, These are the verses in which Herod of Antipas uh, throws John into prison. Uh, Basically, John calls him out, he rebukes him, he tries to help Herod uh, enter into the space of refinement of his wickedness, including his relationship that was a bit shady with his sister-in-law. Um, he ends up throwing John in prison. He doesn't want to hear it. So I think this is actually a great picture 
of what happens when sometimes our reaction to this invitation into refinement um, can leave us in a space that's maybe not healthy or helpful. It's interesting that we leave this out within the lectionary text. This is what is given uh, to us. And yet, I think these are very important um, words to, to share. So I promised uh, I would also get to what I'm not saying in this text. And perhaps if you've been skeptical of anything that I've said before, listen to this part and then go back and listen through with these things in mind. Um, I asked you at the very beginning to consider what you value, what is most important to you, um, and to consider this idea of who would you be, what would you do. I'm not saying that life will go according to plan. I'm also not saying that this is limited to tangible resource uh, or that this is limited to the individual. Uh, We have to remember that often we are talking more about a communal approach to these things I'm also not saying that you have to change yourself to be worthy. Uh, In fact, instead, it is an invitation to consider whether you need reconnection uh, with just who you are and what you value, or instead, it is this idea of how do I move towards refinement. I know for me, in light of everything that is going on, This all, this idea of considering refinement or change feels impossible in light of things like COVID. Um, But I think if you return to one of Ryan's podcasts about life without a finish line, um, this is about creating life in the midst of this life. So as you reconsider um, those things that are important to you, what are the differences perhaps between what you hope is your end Um, Meaning, at the end of this life, what do you hope to remember, be known by, have accomplished, or been um, kind of exposed to? What does it take to bring together the values that you have and what you hope that end is? What does it take to get there? And I'm trying to do this podcast in a very gentle way. Uh, to create space for possibly some pretty heavy conversations about this idea of refinement and of considering our own ends. Um, But at the same time, I think it's important for our community to do this, especially in a time in Epiphany where I think even these heavier topics can leave us with a sense of something new being revealed. And I also want to leave you with some lyrics from our dear friend Hayden, who wrote a song called By the End. It says, I hope I'll say, my time was spent adoring the weight of each moment. I swear the love I was holding, I gave it all by the end. So as we consider what is coming, what we have been through, and what we hope for, I hope we can understand a new dimension of epiphany, a new dimension of ourselves, and what it means to step forward into something um, new that is also true to what's already present within us. So as always, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen.